Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so good to gather as your dearly loved daughters together this morning. And our hearts echo with Angie's. We want to know you more. And so in this time, I pray, dear Lord, by your spirit, that you would give a word of hope, a word of life um, to each woman today, just what they need to hear from you. Would you help them to hear your sweet whisper to their hearts and to their souls? So I ask that you would work in ways that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. So, ha, I have to tell you that a little adventure this morning and this is so this is the way it goes I'm uh, trying to let's see well, it doesn't look like this is paging down so we'll just let it be but um, I wanted to begin by reiterating what Laureen was really trying to communicate and Michelle as well welcome Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We've been looking forward to this day. We've been praying for each one of you. It is pure joy to me to get to see all of your sweet faces. Some of you I know, some of you I'm looking forward to getting to know. And I want to just say, come as you are each week. Come as you are. And so this is how my day went this morning. I um, had everything in my, my bag. I came here, was getting everything set up this morning and went off and then came back and my Bible was gone. <laughs> I'm thinking, I know I brought my Bible. I literally went back out to the car looking for my Bible. I ended up going upstairs into the, um, and asking Chris Saros, can I borrow your Bible? And, and I did and then lo and behold, I found it at the back of the room. So I don't know, maybe I moved it, somebody else moved it, but you know, this is kind of the way life goes, <laughs> right? Um, our, our author, Angie, so sweetly and with great vulnerability tells of how intimidating she was, intimidated she was when she first started Bible study. And I've heard her say that she came home from her first Bible study and she went home and she got a, a pad of sticky notes and she went through her lesson and she put a sticky note in every single verse that she knew that they were going to be looking up at their next week's study because she didn't want to be embarrassed and letting everybody know that she really didn't know where to find everything yet. And so I just want to say if you're, if you're feeling like that, hey, it's a-okay. Use your table of contents. We all do it. It's fine. And when you do have those rough weeks, when you're really, really tempted because life is hard to just hole up at home, I encourage you, just come as you are. It's okay. It's okay. There are times when I think, I've got to come up here and teach, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, but my heart is a little broken over this situation in my life, and, and it's really hard to do this. But yet, if I waited until I had it all together, I would never do anything. <laughs> None of us would, right? right? And I just have to keep proclaiming who God is, what he's done, how much he loves us, 
I have to come and keep encouraging you to keep getting into your Bible whenever you can, however you can. Whether it's in the car, sometimes I do this. Have you ever done this? If you have a Bible app on your phone, I'll just get the audio going and I'm listening to it. Because that's the way I, you know, it works for that time of day. However you can, whenever you can, I want to encourage you to keep getting into God's word. So come as you are, even when it's hard. Keep on coming. Even when you haven't done a lick of your homework, it's okay. Keep on coming. I have three truths to encourage you today, three things that I want you to remember whenever you open your Bible. And the first word is that God's word is a gift. Ladies, this book is a sacred book that has been preserved for us. It's been preserved for centuries. It's a library of 66 books that were written by about 40 authors over 1,500 years. God inspired each writer and gave the world the gift of these holy scriptures. He spoke and inspired it. He breathed life into each word. His words were written, copied by scribes, preserved, translated, so that you and I can read it today. I believe that the Lord has kept his loving and mighty hand upon his word. He's, he's preserved it and protected it. It's a gift that we get to open it. It's a gift. I think of a part in the middle of the story in Deuteronomy. When God had brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, and they'd wandered in the wilderness, and he'd stuck with them for 40 years. And Moses is reminding them of the gift of God's word to them as they're going to head into the promised land. And he says, who else in, under heaven and on earth has the God of life, the true God, spoken to? No one else but you. And he challenges them. These words were given to you for your good. Cling to these words. And I think of Psalm 19 that talks about how the heavens declare God's glory. And through creation, through what's going on in the skies, God speaks and he reveals himself. Psalm 19 says, day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. And what's amazing his voice goes out to all the earth. So no matter where anybody lives on the planet, they can always see what's going on in, in the skies, right? Either by day or by night. And the psalmist tells us that's God speaking to us, revealing himself to us. And then if you move on in Psalm 19, you'll find that the psalmist also praises the gift of God's word. 
says that it's perfect. It revives the soul. It's sure. It makes the, the it's wise, the simple. Its precepts are right. It brings joy to the heart. His commandments are pure, enlightening the eyes. It's clean, enduring forevermore. His words are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the comb, the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. What a gift God's word is. His word, like Michelle was talking about, can transform our thinking and transform our hearts and transform our lives. It can make a simple person like me wise. Well, that's a miracle, right? What a gift God's word is. Now, it's said that most people in America have one of these. And about half the people in our country are using them. And about 27% of people in America are reading their Bibles every week. And so I just want to say, woohoo! Good for you that you are coming to know that this is a gift that's not to be just set upon the shelf, but it's to be opened and treasured. Can you believe it, ladies? The God who holds the stars in the sky, the God that we know every day, we know the sun is going to come up, there's going to be the gift of a new day. That God who is sustaining all that he has made, he invites you to come to him, and he wants you to sit at his feet, and he has words for you, words of life for you. What a gift it is. I encourage you to keep opening it, keep coming. So God's word is a gift, such a precious gift, and God's word is our life. Now in our culture today, we are constantly being given messages and pictures about what the best life looks like. We're told that we're really living if we're independent and living as we want, if we're healthy and beautiful, successful, rich, famous, powerful, organized, if we practice self-care, if we have amazing kids and a great husband. Our first world culture tells us that these are the things that can give us life. But that's not true. There is one who has made you, who knows you, who sustains you with every breath that you take. He's the only one who can give life. He is the fountain of life. So this morning, I'm going to try this again one more time. Ha ha ha, I got it going. Good deal. It's a gift. You saw that. Okay. God's word is our life. You got that. I'm going to get it. Here we go. This is a tree that's in my backyard. Kind of fills up the whole part of my backyard. And so I want you to think of this. 
as I read to you from Psalm 1. You can feel free to open there if you'd like, right in the middle of your Bibles. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So blessed is the man. Can I say blessed is the woman (laughs) who is not listening to the counsel of the wicked. Now this is kind of a a wisdom psalm, and so we have this contrast here, right, between the wicked and the righteous. And the wicked isn't somebody that necessarily does something super awful, but the wicked who is one who has just rejected God as Lord of their life and is saying, I'm in charge. I don't want you to lead to lead me, God. I'm going my own way. I'm trying to do life on my own. But it's a path that doesn't lead to life. (laughs) Okay? And so, blessed is the one who doesn't listen to the counsel or the wicked. And you see this progression here. They don't walk, stand, or sit with those that have rejected the Lord and said they're going their own way. But instead, blessed is the one who delights in God's word. Meditating on it day and night, that's just an expression, day and night. It means all the time, continually. It's one, a person who knows that God, through his word, gives life. One who says, I'm going to be like a tree. God and his word, they are the foundation of my life. I cannot build my life on anything else. Everything else will fail. He is the only one that can sustain me in all seasons when things are good or bad and everything in between. I can be, we can be firmly planted in him and in his word and stand strong. And so then, check this out. I don't know if you can tell. I'm not a very good photographer, so please forgive me. My tree died. We had an arborist come out last spring, and he just said, I think that tree might be a couple hundred years old, and it's just done. It's at the end of its life. And, you know, we we live in this old house, and we have a lot of projects going, so they're, you know, on the list is to have somebody come and take down the tree. But in the meantime, every day I look out my back window, and the Lord is telling me, oh, honey, just so, this is just a little reminder 
Don't think you can try to go through your life on your own. Don't think that you know what's best and that you should be in charge. Don't, don't neglect time with me when I have words light of life for you. So I guess when my husband gets off his list, I won't have this visual reminder. But my heart for you this morning is that I hope you remember this tree like that. That's what the Lord has for you in his word. Jesus himself said in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that comes from the mouth of God. So God's word is a gift. God's word is our life. And God's word is what else? Just like we've been talking about all morning. It's seamless. So I think you're getting the picture. The purpose of this study is to get the overarching view the big picture look at the scriptures. I have to say, you know, we this is a sacred book, but we we read it differently than we read other books, right? When you read another book, you sit down and you read it from the first page to the end. But we have this habit of, right, picking through. Because it is. It's this huge library, and it is overwhelming, just like Angie says. So I'm, I pray that this will be a huge gift to you, that you can begin to glimpse, to tie themes together, tie all the stories together, all the characters together, and to see God's big story. And I love Angie's reminder to us that every time we open his word, it's not worrying about how much information we can get into our heads. It's about getting to know him more. And as you read it and continue to read it, you will see how seamless it is because God is the hero of the story. It's all about him and he himself is seamless. He is like no other. He is complete in every way, continually. Can we even we can't even begin to get our minds around how great our God is. He is infinite. Eternal. He has always has been. He always will be. And he is unchanging. Oh, in a world that change brings changes so much. We need a God who is unchanging, don't we? So he is complete in all of his character qualities. His wisdom is infinite. His power is infinite. His righteousness is infinite. His justice is infinite. His goodness, his faithfulness, they all are unending. And yet, as we look at the big story today, I want to remind you of how infinite his love is for you. So at this point, maybe you don't even need to take notes. Just imagine I'm reading the story to you. Sit back and just soak it in. So even before time began, God loved you. He is love and he set his heart upon you. In love, he created the world. 
In love, God dwelt with Adam and Eve in Eden. And they were made in his very own image, made to reflect his glory, to be loved, to love and serve him, and to love one another. The Garden of Eden was a temple, the place where heaven met earth. The place of Shalom, where Adam and Eve lived in harmony with God, one another, and creation. Imagine with me, Eden, and the Shalom of God dwelling with the people that he loved. Such delight and wholeness and flourishing. It's the way things were meant to be. So Adam and Eve were to reflect God and make the whole world a temple garden and a place where God could dwell in the midst of the people that he created, bringing them life and love. Yet Adam and Eve did not trust in God's love and goodness. They wanted God to serve them. They wanted to rule their own lives. And so their relationship with God was broken. This impacts everything. Their relationship with one another, one another is broken with their very selves and with the created world. So there in Eden, the first tears fall from their eyes because everything is broken and they've been separated from God. Sin brings pain and death and God's heart is broken too. Yet, God does not stop loving them. In love, God has a plan to redeem and restore people and the world. He promises that one day there will be one who will conquer evil and death and make things right again. So humans continue to reject God and they fill the good world that he made with evil. They've chosen sin and death instead of life with God. And God washes away evil with the flood. In love, God rescues Noah and his family. In love, he scatters humans when they build the Tower of battle. God is not surprised by the problem of sin. And his solution for it is that he would covenant with one family so that they could live in his love and then bless the whole world. Through Abraham's family line would come kings and the greatest blessing of all, a redeemer. God revealed himself to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. He covenanted with them to make them into a nation, to give them land, and to bless them, not just so that they could be blessed, but so that they could point others to their God, the one true God. And though they were a very messy family, God was faithful to them. In love, he would fulfill his plans to restore shalom in this world. In love, God redeems Abraham's descendants from slavery in Egypt. 
He is their God, and the Israelites are his people. In love, he dwells with them, leads them, forgives them, and fights for them during 40 years in the wilderness. In love, God's, God gives Israel land. In love, he gives them judges, yet they do what is right in their own eyes. In love, he gives them kings, but the kings fail to shepherd the people as God does. In love, he promises David that there will be a king in his royal line that will reign forever, bringing peace and justice. In love, God continues to dwell in their midst in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, forgiving their sins over and over. In love, God continues to be their God, even though they turn to other gods. They choose not to live in his love. They don't fulfill their mission to point the other nations to God. The kingdom is divided. Their enemies conquer them and take them into exile. The temple where God dwelt, the temple is destroyed. They wonder maybe if God has given up on them. The prophets plead with them throughout the years to remember who God is, what he has done, what he has promised. And they they keep saying, live in God's love for the sake of the world. A few return to Israel to build the second temple. And in love, God continues to pursue humanity. During the 400 years of silence, when there are no prophets calling the people to turn to God, his love remains and he never forgets his promises. In love, God sends Jesus, his beloved son, to reveal himself to the world and rescue people from sin and death, to restore sinners back to relationship with God. God keeps all of his promises in Christ. In love, Jesus takes on flesh, walks faithfully with God the Father, and he loves like no other. In love, he teaches, heals, forgives, He reigns over nature and evil. He sees and cares for the outcasts. He makes sinners his friends. Jesus reveals ultimate love when he lays down his life. He bears the punishment for the sins of the world and dies the death that we all deserve. He is the long-awaited king. The cross is his throne of love. His blood is poured out, bringing forgiveness of sins to those who will receive it. His sacrifice is the final sacrifice. And then he is resurrected, victorious over sin and death, and makes a way for sinful people to be restored to God. He commissions his followers to walk in love and bring the good news to the world. They are the people of the new covenant, new creations in Christ who walk in newness of life by his spirit. They turn the world upside down with love and the proclamation that anyone who believes, no matter how far they have run from God, are offered forgiveness through Christ's death on the cross. Many are persecuted for their faith in Jesus. Some are willing to be martyred rather than deny their love for Jesus, this promised king. 
They look forward to the day when he will return and create a new heaven and earth where all those who live in love through Christ will dwell with him forever, just like it was meant to be. And there will be no more sin and no more sorrow and no more pain and no more death. And there won't be a need for faith or hope anymore because only love will remain. God's people will dwell with him forever in his love and glory. So this is God's big story, ladies. And I pray as we go through this study together, you will find your story wrapped right up in it. God's word is a gift. It's our life, and it's seamless. Let's pray. Our great God of love, we're grateful for the gift of this word, and we today gather together and just want to commit together and ask you to help us as we open your word. Would you reveal yourself to us as we go through this study together? We thank you for the love that you've given us, the love that we don't deserve, the love that we're swimming in because of who you are. And so we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.